0: Hello, Bonsai friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonsai, and welcome to episode 24 of Little Things for Bonsai People podcast, uh, formerly Bonsai Southeast. And uh, mentioning formerly Bonsai Southeast, we're going to bring back one of the older hosts or one of the OG hosts from uh, when we first started the show, uh, Nate Murray. What's going on today, mate? Hey, Evan.
1: How you doing today, buddy?
0: Pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to have you back. It's been a good while since
1: we chatted. Most definitely, man. It's good to be back. Yep.
0: We're going to uh, catch up a little bit, see what's been going on in the world of Nate Murray. But before we get there, uh, I need to mention a few things. Our podcast is sponsored by our amazing, amazing patrons over off of patreon.com forward slash little things for Boneside people. You can sign up and become a $5 patron to be a Boneside Best Bud. Our current Boneside Best Buds are Tori Solis, Warehouse Rat, Boyd Snail, <laughs> I mess up these names all the time. Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Ryan Dan. This guy's name, Dan Dando. Damn, I got. I mean, I got really, really hook, hooked up on that one this time. Uh, Joel Jenkins I'm
1: laughing at you. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, no. That, that's one of the whole things about this whole podcast now is <laughs> how much I butcher people's names. It's amazing. Justin Knights, Backyard Bonesai Australia. And our newest bonsai best bud, the ladies at the farm, the ladies at the flower market, love the name. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, that's going to be really fun to say every episode. Thank you guys so much for being a bonsai best bud and supporting our show. Every little bit counts. And happy birthday to everybody who ber- whose birthday is today. Um, if you'd like to support our show in other ways, uh, Instagram, Facebook, we've got Underhill Bonsai. You can follow me on there. Uh, on our website under underhillboneside.com. I've got articles that I've written and experiences that I've had in bonsai. Uh, you can go visit there. We've got an online store. Uh, I'm gonna try to keep it up to date. Spring's been really busy, but might put a few things on there soon. Uh, for Nate Murray, since we haven't really uh talked about anything to to like go check out Nate's in a while, Nate has uh since started the boot Bonsai, which is his own little uh his own little side project that he features his his collected yamadori bald cypress he's got some really awesome content on there progressions of his trees and him out in the swamps digging some good stuff so go check out the boot bonsai on instagram is there something else that they can check out for you nate
1: no uh we're just on socials on facebook but i i kind of lean more towards instagram more than facebook there seems to be more action there you know
0: yep so yeah definitely check him out uh and then for Carmen, of course, go check out the uh, Women's Purple Pot Society. Uh, well, the Purple Pot Society, the Women's National Bonsai Club at purplepotsociety.org. And then for, for uh, Mike, go check him out on ketsunebonsai.com. Go check out Ketsune Bonsai on Instagram and Facebook. Great information there as well. Uh, and then also special thanks to our editor, Matt O'Donnell. Uh, bass player and music producer out of Nashville, Tennessee. He edits our podcast, makes us sound clean, makes us sound smart. Uh, Everything about editing uh, is pretty overwhelming to me personally, but if you want Matt to take over and help you edit your podcast, or even produce some music that you might have, some good jams, that is part part of his job, that is his world. Go over to Matt O'Donnell on Instagram or mattodonnell.com and go to his contact form on his website. Uh, but if listening today is all you can do, then that's more than enough. We thank you guys so much for listening. Just make sure you subscribe and follow on your, your favorite listening platform. I always get tongue tied when I'm trying to get through this uh through this opening, but I think I got it pretty good that time around. But uh you know what's going on, Nate? What has been going on in your world at Boneside, my dude?
1: Oh, the world of bonsai. I don't know if I can say bonsai without baseball and soccer. <laughs> uh, just daddying it right now, you know, um, I didn't repot many trees this spring. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of them were repotted last year. So given them an additional year, some of the work that we've done on some of the work that we've done on some of my pieces, I, I've really just tried to refine and, and ramify some of those. So didn't do much repotting, not as busy as a lot of people.
0: Mm hmm. Um, and repotting as far as, uh, just mostly your bald Cypress, bald Cypress stock and stuff that you've been dealing with.
1: Yeah. Um, had a couple of air layers, had, had wanderer, had wing, the winged elm. That was an air layer grown from seed and, and air layered it, I guess, last year mm-hmm. and put it back in some, some new soil, just kind of cleaned it up a little bit. Uh, it's really healthy, really pushing well. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that you, uh, I remember being over there last time and seeing that trim. Glad you air layered it because you can make much better use of that movement higher up. Um, right. One of our things that we visited earlier on another episode was talking about uh, taking an air layer and the best time to take one. And uh, yeah, seeing the success on like even an air layer that big. How how big of an air layer would you say that was as far as the trunk diameter on that?
1: Uh, probably inch and a half, inch and a half across. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good size uh for an elm tree. I mean, I've seen them big, but I mean, for your purposes it was, you know, it was pretty good. Um and then uh I think don't you have something on your Instagram like of you air layering that tree?
1: I do, yes.
0: Um and where can the, the listeners go and check that out? What uh, what date is that? Do you remember?
1: Roughly around this time of the year, it was right after right after CS Bonza. Okay. After talking with Sergio and, and we worked on it, uh, that's really one of the primary trees we worked on. And then as we just kind of talked and that tree moving forward, the only way for the quality of it to be, you know, improved, the mm-hmm. lack of taper, um, you know, lack of Nabari and whatnot, it was, uh, it was necessity to air layer it. So yeah, yeah. It, it was roughly, I'd have to look, uh, it was roughly mid-March, something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, revisit that and continue to work on that. That's a tree that I actually got from uh, Guy Guidry back in the day. Um, it was very interesting. Um, but, I mean, it's evo- that's just how bonsai is. The evolution has to keep moving forward on these trees, you know? Right. Um,
1: I think that's, you know, for me, one of the things, Evan, that we've talked about often is how this practice has pushed me to, to make a decision, uh, to make it my own. And and once you decide to do something, to move forward with it, obviously to, to take the precautions and, you know, make quality decisions, not irrational decisions, but to make decisions based on, uh, based on the information you've been given, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. And, uh, I guess in a, in a way this, uh, talking to you on the podcast now is kind of, a good way to go back and get a retrospect on how you feel now, like where you started with bonsai and, and where you're at now, what have you experienced and how's that changed?
1: I think a lot of it early on. And and I've kind of messed with you about the fact I didn't want to just be known as the guy that could collect really nice trees, really nice cypress. Um, I think I just had to get my, no pun intended, but needed to get my feet wet and actually develop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> actually develop some trees, and, and that just comes through experience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference in, in collecting, uh, having the tree thrive for a year or so, and then doing the initial work, and then to attempt to build the ramification from that. I mean, I think that's really from start, not necessarily to finish, but to attack things from the, the starting point, uh, they're out. I think that's, that's the allure for a lot of people is with the Yamadori is I've done everything from stock from the start with trees. Yeah.
0: Your real, uh, glass roots or grassroots. I'm right. not sure what the the actual terminology, the the slang on that was, but real from the ground up type of uh, right. bonsai guy, um, where, I mean, you just wanted to go dig cypresses and just make it yeah. your vocation in Boneside to be a bald cypress collector at the same time, you right. know? Um, and I,
1: You know, having four four children at the house, you know, them going through some pubescent stages and a couple of eight-year-olds and how they change. And, you know, I was thinking prior to, to getting on with you, you know, I really feel like, in my enclosure where my trees are, I've got some, some adolescent children, you know, you don't have to, to overlook them as much as you would, you know, maybe an early collected piece. There's a lot more work that you can do with them. Uh, if you do the work right early on, you know, and it I think it mirrors what we do as parents. If you do the work early, mm-hmm. you know, it sets you up better for later. Um, but yeah, I, None of my trees I feel like are at a place where they're anywhere close to being show-worthy, mm. uh, but uh, I feel the bones of a lot of them are there. So yeah. again, that that awkward stage of of a of a preteen kind of feel like that's where a lot of my trees are, and and it's crazy too because a few buddies that I have, as they'll come out if it's been a year or so since they've been to the house. The trees look completely different from being a stump to you know an actual miniature version of what what we see in the swamp
0: mhm yeah the um but a lot of for the listeners to kind of fill in on what your collection is it's it's a lot of bald cypress correct um, Yeah. and and a couple of other things in between in between that have piqued your interest uh yeah so and what other just to kind of kind of Kind of get them in there
1: what other species have you collected A few american hornbeam i haven't quite hit my stride with height to chop those and um you know kind of, kind of trenching those of the year prior or chopping them back the year prior to promote some good back budding but i the one that i do have that has some some pretty nice movement it's the second year out the ground and it's cooperating. I've got another that had really just irregular movement and it, it's doing its own thing. It's budding from one spot. Um, mm-hmm. So Hornbeam, I've collected a few river birch, paper bark birch. Really, aside from that, where I go, there's not many wing down, a buddy of mine, Casey, recently came across on his property, some wing elm and some, some beach that I'm excited about. Mm. Um, he's chopped those back. And as mentioned, you know, us, you know, collecting those in the near future next year or so. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, some of the things you ask what I've been doing, some of the things, you know, trees that have the capability to be chopped back and, and to form, you know, more of a show hin type, um, some of the gardenia, two of the gardenia, what is it? Gardenia radicans, the yep. from the nursery, um, just nursery stock. But it was wonderful material to be able to hopefully cut those back into a, a nice line. Mm-hmm. Um, I've yet to pot those. I did, I did uh, see a a post that Roy had put out, and um, I, uh, I snatched one of his really nice pots. That Roy, who? uh i think it's minari yeah they're on the east coast just a really beautiful aquish glaze that Mm he kind of i feel like he's known for
0: yeah definitely um yeah and as far as uh your collecting of cypress you say you're you're you guys are chopping some trees down early are you doing that with some bald cypresses too have you found yourself going out and and prepping them, chopping them, trenching them, anything like that?
1: I, have, I, I haven't I have felt the need to do that with Cypress. Mm-hmm. I feel they're vigorous enough once you collect them in the traditional way.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering because uh, since I've collected with you, I don't know if anything, if you've tried anything else out that's a little bit different because uh, we, we missed the collecting season this year. Um, yeah.
1: So, I mean. Well, I did. If you had seen out back, back behind my shop, I did, um, I collected probably eight or 10 smaller, probably two, two and a half inch diameter, some even smaller than that, um, with some interest. And to put those, I put them on just some rough cut one by 12s just to mm-hmm. kind of plate them. And they're not necessarily in the ground. Um, you know, but I put topsoil and going to let those sit for a couple of years yeah. so that if anything, that's that's my one experiment that I'm messing with, and I know in the past, one of the things that a comment that you had made, and, and you can kind of enlighten us, one of the things that you had mentioned you wanted at least one tree uh, of each species. Uh, as far as the natives, what whether it be natives, um, where where do you sit with that? Do you still, because for me, obviously, I want to I want to lean more towards something that I'm familiar with. And I guess that's just my comfort level. I know the few tropicals that I've had; they haven't done well, you know, due to the lack of a greenhouse and and structure. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for you? I mean, when we talk about species and variety of species, you still kind of have that mindset. Uh,
0: yeah, I've leaned into the the natives a good bit. I think I've I have my my uh, preferred native species list kind of down at this point. Um, Bald Cypress is obviously on the top of the list. um the trees that we dug um and I think there's there might be pictures earlier on on my Instagram where mm-hmm. it shows uh our collecting trip where we pulled those those trees out and then we took the mud and we put the mud under under your eyes look look like a deer a dirt uh like you got your prize kill um that tree that you're holding i've actually got that tree down path it's going to be a very beautiful uh formal upright tree uh Mm -hmm. and there's a there's a couple of trees there's this this big tree i'm gonna have to drop into uh into the instagram once it gets kind of a little bit more leafed out i'm pretty sure you collected it it's a big lean crazy monster of a tree Mm -hmm. uh but i want to say i do want to say that about 90% 90% of the collected trees at the nursery are all your stuff too. So um, I'm pretty sure you did, but yeah, as far as the the trees that the bald cypresses that I have feeling really great about. So yeah, those, the winged elms for sure. Uh, we've been growing cedar elms at the nursery mm-hmm. and those cedar elms are like right at that point where they're, they're just near perfect to collect and make some really cool stuff out, out of them. So I've got one pulled to the side, just making a, kind of a more of a wild broom naturalistic des- deciduous looking kind of thing out of it. It should be pretty fun. I posted that on my Facebook not too long ago. Um, and then of course the Yopon Hollies. I mean, I'm yep. always looking for a new Yopon shillings dwarf Yopon right. uh, venture to be in. I dug one out of my, out of the front garden of my house that I just purchased a year ago. Um, been in a house for over a year now. It's kind of crazy, but uh there's these big honking, Dwarf. I mean, they're dwarf yopons, but they are not dwarf. They are huge. And so uh, Kit was like, I want to get rid of these bushes. And I was like, yeah. So I dug up one of those that had a really great base. Um, I introduced a sweet gum and I had another sweet gum in my collection that I ended up parting ways with, but uh, try my, my way with the sweet gum the American sweet gum. I can't remember the exact name, nomenclature on the one that's truly native mm-hmm. to us, but it's the one that makes the little spiky balls for, uh, p- for our viewers, viewers, our listeners, um, <laughs> for our I listeners out there
1: you on your right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I got my goofy swamp background on, on our zoom meeting, but, uh, eventually the podcast will get its, its own YouTube thing. Once I find a video editor, hopefully we can get that down, uh, one day in the future. But, uh, but yeah, sweet gums, the ones that make the spiky little seed balls, those are really fun um the that's one of those challenging trees where you go from really really big uh, like leaf the size of your literally the size of your face down to a trident maple size leaf. you can get really, really well uh into the leaf reduction on those trees and my trees are right outside my back window, you can't see it, but uh. But yeah, I'm trying to think of. I mean, I've gotten into some other stuff like sea grapes and um, yep. sea hibiscus and buttonwoods. I love those; yep. those are pretty awesome, strong tropicals. Uh, the sea the not the sea hibiscus, but the um, the buttonwoods. A little bit of a challenge uh, mm. because of just how temper temperature sensitive that plant is. Mm. But uh, believe it or not, I've been I've been kind of looking around at different things. I've got some Japanese black pine that I've been developing. It's yep. those are a lot of fun um i can kind of show you how to make them work in southeast louisiana i know for right. some people uh that are listening they're like oh japanese black pine that does really good in my range depending on if you're like mm-hmm. in a slightly cooler range louisiana they do grow well and they're one of the few species that do well here because it's actually a coastal uh japanese pine it comes from the coastal areas of japan and it can put up with heat and it can put up with short winter uh, periods and stuff. And then uh yeah, I've been getting some other trees like uh Trident maples are looking really enticing cuz some of the field grown stock that we have are starting to really get beefy. So those those trees are becoming really fun. I've got a Trident maple or two that I'm in, introducing. So yeah, I'm starting to break away from the pure natives mindset a little bit, but at the same time I'm like in this preferred species area where trees that do really well for us but I'm also looking to get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of mastery behind some of the stuff that we can do here in Louisiana with them.
1: You know, that's what I was wanting to ask you. To have one of each species, is that just a feather in your cap or is it, (laughs) do you want to lean more towards like nicer trees as as you cycle certain trees out of your collection? Because
0: Mm.
1: as big as, you know, your backyard is at this point with the new house. Mm-hmm. do you feel like you're cycling out trees that aren't as good caliber wise or well doug put it good uh, in a good way uh doug green the
0: the the creator of underhill bonsai uh he put it a good way saying there's always gonna be another tree, and right. I agree with that there's gonna be another tree that wows me, uh another tree that I could develop, and I'd be like, man, this would be fun to wire this tree out, spend some time with it.' uh, but there are trees that I have had for a very long time that I'll never part ways with um mm-hmm. just from nostalgia or where it came from right. and uh but you you've i you know me i i run a a bonsai nursery, so I have to sell things mm-hmm. at certain times uh so yeah it's it's not that I'm cycling trees out because there's a better tree but um but I'm cycling things out because I have one of these, but I have this one. And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. and I always kind of like to, to break down a tier list of which trees are, are the best trees that I would love to continue to spend more time with. And maybe even the rest of my life with versus, you know, could somebody else enjoy this tree better? It, it, I would, I'm more in a giving mood uh, more than often when it comes to these trees. because. I'd rather have somebody enjoy it, um, especially somebody who's really serious and wants to get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then another way to look at it, too, is I'm not trying to get one of each species that I can get, because if I was trying to do that, then I would have like a climate control greenhouse and like Mm -hmm. a way to like sub-zero optimize. Like we talk about this in other episodes previously, but like alpine species, like one seed junipers and Rocky Mountain junipers, ponderosa pines uh i've I've experienced in mountain hemlocks i've experienced those up in the pacific northwest and they're beautiful plants and if i really wanted to make it work it would be it would be like jumping through some hoops in southeast louisiana with you know like 100 degrees and barely below uh below 20 degree nights that those trees really like i mean yeah you know but i'm not looking for to fill my backyard with a variety of species at this point it's trees that really intrigue me that I know I can work with back to how you mentioned, like being familiar with the species, being familiar with something, you know, will work for you. And that you can, you I mean, you can do techniques that, that you have tried and true before. So yeah, my approach is much more different than from when you remember uh, we first spoke about these, these uh, topics, even earlier on the podcast that we started.
1: Well how when you go up and see Hagadorn, when when you hang with Carmen, when you talk with Mike, does your background with swamp trees, with cypress, with native trees here, do you feel it it impacts you and and <clears throat> encourages you to see those trees slightly different? What do you think impacts you more? What you see in those trees in the Pacific Northwest, like you mentioned hemlock and and some other alpine species that they may they may uh, have some better experience and luck with up there. Do you feel it affects when you come home or vice versa, when you go up? I just can keep you bring in the swamp with me. <laughs> right. You can't um, take it out, bro.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't remove the swamp from the bayou boy. Um, are no, you uh, able
1: to compartmentalize, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I definitely have seen more in my bald cypress flat top designs because there's a lot of stuff that Hagedorn has done with slender, long, literati esque styling that I just don't see anywhere else. And I'm like, what if I leaned into yeah. that with these flat tops? What yeah. if the simplicity that I was looking for in a flat top cypress was more literati mm-hmm. in form? Um yeah. and I mean it just kind of brings us back to the basics again, less is more kind of principles, um, simpler lines, elegant trees, look at the base, look at the movement. Uh, because I've heard from from Hagadorn from Michael himself that he's like, you know, why would I want to work with this tree if it doesn't have something that moves me to initially to think, what would I do with this? Um, and that's that that really helps me kind of look at trees differently now, because I mean, when I was when we then this is a lot of people when we get into bonsai, we just want and want to work with trees. So any tree will do any nursery plant will do, you know, so it's it, it evolves every time and I feel like it evolves every year. So, I mean, we're still young in this in this this bonsai right. game in the the American bonsai World, you know, I talked with uh with Jennifer Price on the previous episode that'll be out before this about where we're at in bonsai America right now, and it's it's awesome, you know, to to witness yeah. all this.
1: Do you feel that's influenced more by older folk that have been in it for a long time, or up and coming, uh mm. more recent generation? Um, with, with the older folk in the especially in the New Orleans clubs,
0: I. Mm. I like to go back and refer to what obviously what they've done before me because it was, Mm -hmm. it was working. Um,
1: Especially New Orleans, bald Cypress for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Like I can't not reference back to where Mm -hmm. flat top came from, from uh, Bon Banting to Guy Gidry to Randy Bennett, to, to the present. Like I can't forget that, that line. And, Gary Marcel that people yep. don't really think about very often with his, his collecting Bill, of big giant there. trees. Yep. Yeah, and Bill Butler. Uh uh go over to Bill's Bayou on YouTube. Check out Bill Butler. That guy uh, has done some really innovative things with bald cypresses and flat top form. Um, and I wanted to bring up your experience with um John Ginger Angel. Um, yep. when you went up to North Carolina. So you go visit him, and you went to go collect with him. Uh-huh. And you said that was a pretty eye-opening experience.
1: Yeah, so John John's a really first off. When you look at his content out on YouTube, he is that guy. He's the guy. He's he's the buddy. Hmm. Uh, just a great human being. Uh, allowed me to bunk up at his place for a couple nights. We went collecting at his one of his spots um i'll say I, I hope i can do it as long as he has because man he he is he is a trooper when you see some of the pictures of him collecting and uh the conditions and um he's got a couple guys that go out with him and do a really good job and he man he some of his trees are just so ramified and and his style i think is unique um you know, more so probably Cypress than anybody in the States. Well, anybody anywhere. Um, yeah. Really, really keeps some tight structure.
0: I like uh, Really John's, tall, slender. I, that's one of the things I was going to point out is I like John's really, really tight, long, slender yeah. line trees that when you see just that line... It gives such a minimalistic feel to it. Yeah. You're really able to, to appreciate that in the negative spaces between those trees. Like the, yeah. I saw a forest planting he did with these just, right. they're just surrealistically tall feeling yeah. far away trees. And yeah, he's,
1: w- he's constantly putting out forest slab plantings that are just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. His understanding of, of the natural world, uh, and how it occurs. I mean, he collects those slabs. Uh, Frank McDermott, I believe, is one of the guys he goes out with, or that goes out with him. Um, and man, he's an artist. Mm-hmm. His his uh, his space and his back uh, back patio is just gorgeous. Yeah. It really is. But just a great guy. Bottom line, just a great guy.
0: I'd like to take another trip to the to the north carolina the arboretum up there with the arthur Mm -hmm. Juris collection and then uh try to see if i can find a time to do a thing with john like that go visit his garden and kind of uh talk with him that i mean i've seen i've only seen videos but yeah uh for the listeners out there i believe most of his content and stuff like i follow him on facebook and he's got a Mm. just about every day he kind of plugs away at Posting yeah. pictures of his bone psych uh, creations. Yeah. Um, so it's John. How do you spell his last name? Because he's got a long, weird last name.
1: So it's G G E A N. So G E A N and then Angel A N G E L. Yeah. and um, Angel.
0: Gene Angel. I say Jenner Angel. I put an R in there,
1: but that's me. I don't. I don't feel the need to correct you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cause look, uh, I, yeah, dude, he. I, I just. I don't know i i feel even off to say I, I i would love to be considered cut from the same cloth he's from but he's an educator he's a teacher as well mm-hmm. so we kind of connect on that level
0: yeah so uh for the listeners who are uh not familiar or haven't heard nate's voice in a while uh you're kind of tell everybody what you do uh as far as you're just your
1: regular job As far as teaching. So my my regular job. Yeah, uh, your your bread and butter. (laughs) What I actually make money from Mm. is, uh, so I'm a public school teacher. I teach a class called JAG. It's a federal course, Jobs for America's Graduates. Um, Mock interviews, conflict resolution, just interpersonal skills. Um, My kids actually, I'm bringing two groups to Orlando. They won at the state level, one at the Louisiana level. And uh, the week after spring break, uh, I am following them to Orlando to compete nationally. It's like a Shark Tank pitch. They did Mm a ripping lips, fishing baits from – it's a really cool thing to see high school kids think of things like young business, young entrepreneurs. It's really cool. So that's what I get to spend my time each day, uh, 8 to 3, I guess, messing with – Snotty nose teenagers attitudes. I do have some great kids though. I do. I enjoy it. They hate hearing me talk about trees and relating it to trees. Oh yeah, <laughs> relating all the lesson examples to trees. I'll tell you.
0: you. Bring bring everything back around to the boneside man.
1: That's right.
0: Um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, mention like we don't go into boneside to make a living off of this. We're coming in, into this to spread. The information and all the joy of bonsai, man. It's that's that's the best way to look at that, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you um, know, to touch on it when I when I say some of the older people versus some of the younger people, I, there is such a sharing of information that's really cool to be a part of. Because I, even prior to hopping on, when I went to um, the Pacific Bonsai Expo um, out there in San Francisco, just man. To meet people and connect, especially people who who do kind of similar collecting trees. Um, talking with a guy who, you know, works with Dan Robinson closely, Anthony.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I've never met him. Mm-hmm.
1: Man, just this past week, he's like, you you figured out which tree you're going to dan?" And I'm like, man, I ain't got none of them that are gnarly quite like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just take a tree and just take the the power bit to it, like the the carving right. tools and just go to town and then wire the yeah. branches all out and give yeah. it that good old Dan Robinson uh, feel to it. Yeah. Uh, Dan's approach to bald cypress is otherworldly as well. Um, lots of crazy stuff going on with his trees. Yeah. Um, did you did you ever get a chance to go out to
1: uh, is it a late lading
0: gardens, I believe is the name of his? his well, i think it's
1: ellen ellen grand ellen it's he's in washington like, state i believe i i went I'm, I'm to make it. a trip up there yeah i know I went you to went to it last time that way
0: he's on the pacific uh northwest the olympic peninsula yeah he's he's got a i mean all the trees you see listed on line and in his book that he's got uh gnarly branches gnarly trees i believe mm-hmm um yeah, all that stuff in person, that that stuff's wild to see. His approach is wild. His trees are literally wild. Um, right. But yeah, he's wild. <laughs> yeah, he's a wild dude. Um but yeah, the uh it's cool to hear about the 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 show over in uh is Oakland, California with the, with that show. Yeah. Um I was really really hoping to go to that, but uh I had already flown out to to Portland like not too long before that and we were just we're kind of exhausted on resources, getting me to go places like that and not be at the nursery and be able to work. Um, so, I mean, I can go learn bonsai, but eventually I got to go work on some trees, you know. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> I think you failed to mention the main thing uh, that kept you from going. I think you put a ring on your finger and a ring on Kate's finger.
0: Oh, back. yeah, that that was, that had happened around that time as well. Um, yeah, we had gotten engaged in kind of an and then you, a year later, what do you know? We had we had scheduled our wedding to happen around that time. So yeah, it You're was right. it was uh there was a lot of stuff going on around that time uh for sure. Right. But yeah, I heard that you and um and then one of our bonsai best buds, Joel Jenkins, yep. yeah, he was out there uh, hanging out as well. Um, yeah.
1: So I came up on a a booth in the corner of this shipyard, which was gorgeous, by the way. The lighting lighting at certain times was a little bit troublesome but it was so unique it was it was it was different um, um but in the corner there were and, and you and i have kind of touched on this too but a, a booth that had grapes and yep. joel was back there and as i approached the corner out he turns around and uh just to be across country and see a guy who's who's from about an hour from where we are it was it was the craziest thing
0: yeah I mean, you guys are both there for bonsai, and y'all are both like, "Wow, who'd have known I'd seen you <laughs> here at what? one of like one of the the newest cutting edge bonsai shows over here?" And it's yeah, like it is a small world. Keep that in mind. Uh, uh, like if you go to a show, and it's a it has it draws a big crowd, you're probably going to see those same people at the next show if it's across the country. Like uh, we keep talking about ABS coming up in Denver. Mm-hmm um i would i would love to get to that show um and see a lot of the same people i, I saw at nationals and you probably saw her yeah. at the pacific ne- uh pacific expo um yeah. but yeah uh let's move on let's move on to an, uh towards the start getting towards the the later segments of the show um okay. i sent over a picture to you uh to look at it's a it's a flat top mm-hmm. bald cypress styling it's been it was done by one of our listeners uh Mm -hmm. apparently i had credited a meta sequoia uh that that he had done to another listener on accident but i'm going to use the the name that i got from discord because that's what i know and there's a joshua bentley and then there's a bones like boneside bentley on this discord feed um but he submitted this really beautiful um cypress that i think he's done some great work too and yeah. i figured what a perfect tree to sit down and kind of look at with nate and get both of our opinions on this since this is kind of our forte here yeah. um so if, i this if i could add i
1: i follow him we follow each other and we go back and forth often i've yet to meet like you say bonsai bentley oh but so you're tree, familiar with
0: him okay. right
1: i think i think this post this tree is from bonsai bentley and it's one of john's a, a collected piece from Gian angel
0: oh excellent this is right up that this is perfect for this episode we couldn't ask for a better for a better yeah. tree to look at before we get too far for the listeners out there if you go over to um instagram you go to little things for bonsai people it's going to be it's going to be on on our feed uh it's going to be under the description it'll, it'll tell you guys which episode this it links up to it'll be linked up to episode 24 Um, we had a critique from an earlier episode that was one of the other trees that that was done by the same person, but yeah. So, um, initially looking at this tree, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? How's it, how's it making you feel?
1: Swampy. Uh, no, I mean, such a, a muscular and masculine base, you got slight movement, almost halfway up, you know, back to your left. I do feel like, um, and it, again, this is the early development of a tree like this to leave so many branches, but, um, you know, to not even mention bar branches, that's, that's not my point, but there's, to me, I feel there's too many branches specifically towards the top. Um, okay. you know, uh, as you built to me again, if it were my tree, and again, to build ramification, you got to keep in mind how wide you want to play this thing, how wide you want to play this um, this flat top there towards the apex, and to keep having a cutback, obviously, maybe he's letting it elongate for growth. I'm guessing this is a late winter picture.
0: Um, I believe this picture, he sent me a before and an after, yeah. and I believe this is a picture of it, like, Probably not too long ago, uh, yeah. because the before it shows it dormant, so it probably is late yep. winter, right before bud pop.
1: Yeah, I do love the with a lot of them just subtle movement um, that's already been established. I do really like okay. on the left hand side. Um, there is a, a branch that you know that comes down. And then out, which I think is a really natural, natural look. I think that's a beautiful branch for this tree. But I, I do think there's a few too many, a few too many, um it's too busy at the top. I feel like it takes away from a little bit from the the buttressing. You know, if he doesn't have much to play with, much to to go off of with the base then yeah, let, let's, let let's stay up top. Let's, let's really accentuate that. Um, I would like to see, I'd like to see that a little less congested up top myself personally. What's your take on it?
0: Um, so whenever I'm judging the height and ratios for flat top bald cypress styling, it's, it, I've always talked about how it's just like, if you were to fold this tree in half mm-hmm. and make that reverse triangle shape that comes up off the top up into the flat top, you should yeah. end up with a more of a properly proportioned bone size like as far as mm-hmm. your i think i think uh David de grout's good proportion was i think it was twenty two to one in some instances for like really tall slender trees, and then it knocks down to like twelve to one um it really depends. It, and there's there's different proportions that are suited for certain species for certain trees. Uh, this one, the base is really broad. And so there is an argument that, let's see, it's roughly about eight to 10 uh, ratio, which is actually pretty nice. Um, it's It's got the base, which really supports a top that is kind of, it's kind of like the top Is just far enough away that it goes. It gives you almost like this reflection feel. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. as like if you drew a line in this tree, it would be a reflection of itself on the water below, uh, which is great. And I love that feeling that you can get in some flat top cypresses. And I think this is that. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Honest with with what Boneside Bentley's done here is, I think he's got the proportions of the flat top just about perfect. Like this is where I would love to see the height of this tree. Um, there is an argument that this tree could have been chopped all the way down to that little tiny branch that comes off to the side, and then like made into more of a really lean, really big feeling, uh, kind of like a Henderson Swamp, a chaplain, a basin kind of bald cypress. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, the top there, like you mentioned, that branch that drops down, that's very lovely. But there's a branch directly across from it from it that carries a line straight through the tree that is very bar branch. And I would remove that branch. Um, yeah. I I usually would carve out where the branches come out of right. the top and give it some kind of right. indention or some kind of U shape or some kind Taper. of nice nice tapering yeah. into those top branches. But in this case, this feels a little bit more natural to let it have that break off at of the top. And it is a it is a tree that was collected by John. If that's if that's the correct information, John would style the tree in this manner, uh, which is. Mm-hmm very in line but yeah i do agree with the busyness at top there should be um let's see just to kind of name off a few branches that i would personally remove so that beautiful dropping branch to the left that mm-hmm. branch above it that's coarse and bigger yep. i would do away with that um the branch that's strictly across the one that descends is beautiful but you can't have yep. both it's in one or right. the other and then you have those the branches like right above that where you have a branch that comes up and then one that kind of goes back I don't yep. mind those, but there's a branch. It looks like there's something that comes straight towards the viewer. Mm-hmm. I would take that out and, and then leave some of the back branching. And then that one that comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah, just cleaning it up that little bit. And there is something going on with, there's something to be said about the branches that do occur up and down the trunk. Mm-hmm. Um, Bald cypresses will, and they do this in nature where they'll just grow and fill in. A crazy amount of branches right underneath that canopy but there would be even less so than this um and i would keep yeah, I in direction.
1: I, I think he's going to lose a few of those lower branches because it's going to possibly get shaded out by
0: yeah it's naturally it going to shade out yeah um and i would probably do I, I treat those lower branches on a flat-top bald cypress almost like a break in the canopy in the top part of a really heavy canopy ball, uh, bonsai, just general overall design. Um, mm. So you could have those branches down there, but make sure there's breaks, there's breaks in there because this is an ancient tree. There's mm. trees on the sides of it that are blocking the way for those branches to occur. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with these, these lines that droop downwards. I'm not sure what that is. It looks like branches that were left on that just kind of droop on the tree.
1: Maybe wasn't gonna include them. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure what that is. It might be pieces of wire, but those are kind of interesting if they were branches. But at the same time, it doesn't match anything else. But it's probably not relevant. I really love this little tiny, this little tiny branch formation towards the bottom right. I'm digging that. I have. I try to encourage people to leave little elements like this because when you're in a when you're in a canoe or a kayak, kayak, or even just your flatbed boat, whatever you might be choosing to scoot around in the swamp, in, and you mm-hmm. come up towards a big tree like this, you will see those branches the bottom that really sets the the height for this tree. Um, and if you didn't have so many branches from from that up in between to the top of our canopy, this tree would feel even taller. Mm-hmm. So yeah
1: um well i i don't want to pick it apart because i know and i i think someday it'll probably happen where i meet bonsai but, bentley we, we've gone back and forth but, you don't want to say something about his tree and then
0: you'll see him, the person know. be like now what
1: <laughs> no but i, I to feel like to feel like i'm in i'm in his head i I do feel like this tree is early in development mm-hmm. i feel like it's he's kept it leggy to build the girth. You remove some of the top portion, top, you know, top branches. The one thing I would do towards the top, aside from removing, and and we've talked about that to angle the tips up to realize I'm only going to keep three, four, five inches at most of, of those branches realizing they're going to be chopped back and to angle them up and they're going to take off like Mm -hmm. to, the movement of of the early stages here i feel like you're going to have to get a bud that a bud that shoots up or or i just don't feel these branches towards apex are going to grow nearly as vigorous number 1 because there's so many number 2 because they're they're not pointing towards towards the sun itself
0: yeah so yeah I would,
1: I would angle those up
0: there's going to be a, a point where you're going to want to grow the branches back into the other direction to kind of fill in the yeah. top. Yeah. Now, now, something to be said about this tree, though, in an honest opinion, is that when you look at this tree first glance, I see it. I see a very, oh, 100%. very good, a very good flat top Um, and flat top yeah. still like we're still teasing out the opinions and take the hot takes from other yeah. bonsai practitioners and professionals on this style um so i think this is a great step this is a good step in a great direction for this species
1: Um, i I think what's scary for a lot of people with flat tops is there are no rules it's like oh it's supposed to do this no well, i think it should do well it grows like this here well like this here like it's different different portions of the country and maybe in south carolina i'm not sure if bones i've been if he's 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 somewhere on the east coast i think he's. Uh, I'll have to
0: ask him for better reference. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do need to say one more thing and then we'll wrap up the critique is that the drip line and the narrowness of the of the flat top should come in a little bit more, in my opinion, um, because it's a little wide on the right side. I would, br- I would bring those guys in and I would like la- I would like to challenge uh, Boneside Bentley. Take those branches off and leave that one long branch, that one long piece of the canopy going to the left side and really throw the movement in that tree because you you have that slight curve in the trunk. I think that would be gorgeous. Uh, And that's me. That's me. And then maybe you can leave that piece that comes straight up towards the viewer a little bit and maybe tease it out the other direction.
1: Yeah. But I think the drip line, I think the drip line is it's playing with us because this tree's in development i i I highly doubt he's going to keep that
0: and we don't know what kind of pot it's going to end up in either right
1: Uh, right but it is a beautiful tree and like you say he's done a great job um you know with the with the design itself
0: and uh okay so we'll move on to the bonsai word of the week um just really quick and then i'm uh and we'll be wrapping up but just to kind of say it real quick it's uh Uh, Yoshi-Yi or Yoshi-Yu I think Um, I'm not sure on the pronunciation but uh, Y-O-S-E space U-E and uh, and I I wanted to use this bonsai word of the the week because it kind of does kind of match up to some projects that we have uh, visited in the past and like to talk about with Bald Cypresses Uh, Mm. that word stands for forest planting okay Um, and You know, just to drop that in there. Uh, Usually, we elaborate on these bonsai words of the week, but uh, I feel like forest plantings are so broad that we could really go on forever about forest plantings. Uh, But we'll we'll have to do a revisit on it, uh, Nate. But
1: what all have you seen, real quick? What all have you seen people do? Bald cypress with forest planting. You've done Uh, it on driftwood. You've seen it on slabs, obviously in a pot.
0: So far, I've done. Bald cypresses on driftwoods. I've done it on a piece of blue flagstone. Um, mm-hmm. I saw somebody do this big lava rock kind of crater looking thing. You could see it. I think it's at the National Arboretum. Um, I've seen quite a few different takes on the flat top uh, cypress forest plantings that are really beautiful um, in really shallow containers. Uh, but I I would love to see a lot more cypresses on. Flat stones. I know it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like something that they naturally would do, but um yeah, the flat the flagstone that I put that tree ghoul on represents water as opposed to stone. So the flatter the better. Um so yeah, I think there's more experimentation to be done. But uh like I said, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this episode, Nate. Um, I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta cut you short a little bit, buddy, but we we can come back and talk about uh flat flat tops uh forests on the next one uh maybe we can get carmen and mike on here
1: too yep certainly well buddy it's good to hear from you again
0: yeah thanks for hanging out nate um i will uh i'll be talking to you really soon we need to catch up and get the first flush on your bald cypresses that we worked on recently uh dialed in Yep, Yep, but certainly all right dude thanks for hanging out i'll talk to you
1: next time no doubt see you guys